0: to the rte soccer world cup podcast daily edition sticking with my tradition of changing the name of it every time i say it anyway we have the world cup final that the hosts wanted it's messi versus mbappe sorry it's argentina versus france um it is one i think that most neutrals will be quite happy about as much as we all love the cinderella story of morocco um it was pretty well uh sent home in a pumpkin tonight by a very 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 professional performance from the holders I'm joined by Paul Carey and by Peter Brannigan to look back on it um, Paul it was it, it was a very good start for the French obviously getting that goal within five minutes after some very un-Moroccan defending and after that they they the Moroccan team everybody had been kind of taught about oh they're getting by on 27% possession lower than everybody bar Costa Rica the French either by accident or design, kind of let Morocco have the ball and then rolled their luck a little bit, picked them off. It wasn't a complete performance, but at the same time, the way they took their chances and the way they defended would have the Argentinians been looking on kind of ominously, I'd say.
1: Yeah, it was, it was far from fluid, Mikey, with regards to kind of their their attacking play and how they were in possession, but I think we've seen that a, a couple of times now from France. You would have seen in the England game as well, where they're more than happy to maybe just concede possession and let the opposition have it and and just sit back into their shape. And um, yeah, they they started the game well and and um, you know took advantage of that good start with with the well worked goal. It was it was a mistake from a Moroccan point of view, a, a rare mistake that we haven't seen in previous rounds. But to be fair to France, they they took advantage while they were on top. But, I mean, from there on in, um, it was a completely different Moroccan side than we saw the one against Portugal and Spain. I mean, they had more passes in the first half uh, against France than they did in the whole of 90 minutes against Portugal. So that would give you kind of a, a bearing of how the game played out. But for all their good play and for all their possession, they got themselves into some really good positions. But They just didn't have that killer instinct, didn't have the, the quality like Ziyech and Hakimi down the right-hand side, getting great joy down there with the final ball and the product just, wasn't quite there and then when it was there they didn't have the bodies in the box nor the just that kind of potent striker to put them away and when when you don't put them away you always run the risk that France will pick you off in the counter attack the, the decision I think to bring Taram on and, and move Mbappe central was a wise one because Hernandez was having a difficult time there and a little bit of magic from from Mbappe just the, the drop of the shoulder there was there was two instances there was one where he rolled Hakimi around the corner and he gave to Taram Taram uh, reversed it back to him little drop of the shoulder went around Amrabat and for me I mean you, you deserve a bit of good luck when he when kind of just that sprinkle of magic and uh, the second goal really killed it off but it, it was far from fluid it, it wasn't a silky French performance so I mean going into the final I mean I'm sure the Argentinians would be fancying themselves
2: mm. uh,
0: Peter it's the early goal kind of changed the dynamic it was obviously the first goal an opposition team had scored against Morocco at the World Cup and it kind of changed how they had to play. Um, they lost kind of they lost their three starting defenders by by kind of five ten minutes into the second half as well. But kind of reminded me of one of those awful kind of nineteen nineties high school movies where you know the the nerdy girl takes off her glasses and takes out her the bobbin holding her hair up, and suddenly everybody realizes she's actually really beautiful. So Morocco showed that you know they're well able to play football, and they did it in quite like they 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 played some lovely stuff there. But as Paul said. It was a lack of a cutting edge that cost them.
2: Yeah, well saved there, Mike. I wasn't sure where that was going for a second, but um, yeah. Um, look, the the lad said it before the match started. If France could get an early goal, and we we even said it the last time. I think it was before the Portugal game, and um, when I was on the podcast last time Paul, that like if you can get a goal early against Morocco, it just changes the way they have to play, and then. Yeah, they, there was a couple of chances. I know they hit the post in the first half, but there was a few opportunities where you were just screaming at the television for them to to hit it, go for it, just see what happens. And they were like trying to walk the ball into the back of the net or trying to pick the exact right time to hit the shot. And, you know, it's a World Cup semi-final. At that stage, they were only one down. So it was incredibly frustrating that they wouldn't just pull the trigger and see what happens. But um, yeah, look, uh, I, like I, agree with Frol- I agree with Paul even. It wasn't a, a vintage performance from France, but... I still felt they were fairly comfortable throughout. There was a one or two little worrisome moments for them. But for the most part, I think France will say they can improve, but they didn't expend all of the energy that they had to tonight. And I think that'll be the way they want to go into the final um on Sunday afternoon.
0: Yeah, now I've got I've got a rest as well. So I'm able to watch, you know, my DVDs of She's All That and 10 Things I Hate About You Now up until, you know, third, fourth playoff. Um What Peter said there is very true and it was very noticeable Paul, kind of the 75th minute, uh, the substitute uh, striker for Morocco, Hamdala, made, he made a great run. um, And maybe, I don't know much about him, maybe his left foot is for standing on, but he seemed very reluctant to take a shot. <laughs> he was trying to get back on his right. And then four minutes later, Mbappe, you know, played that one too with Tora, Tora. Made a lovely run into the box. And he took a shot, a shot that was never going in, but it took a deflection off a Moroccan player. And next thing, it's in the path of Kola uh, Wani And it's a goal It just shows that, uh, even the best player in the world. Sometimes you just need to swing a foot at it and see what happens.
1: Yeah. And it's fine margins, isn't it? And, and Morocco probably needed a bit of luck at at one point or another to get themselves back in the game, because at times they were finding it difficult to to really deliver that kind of sucker punch in the final third. But absolutely there's there's probably one or two opportunities, even in the first half Um, little balls that went into the box. If you, if you even think of the bicycle kick and, uh, something out of nothing it was it was a good save from Maurice even if that had gone in or that chance that you mentioned where he's dribbled through just you know let's swing or left fly it and who knows what could have happened and it was just those fine margins and those little strokes of luck that didn't seem to fall their way tonight i actually thought in in general they, they played very very well i thought they caused the french problems and um, that probably i wouldn't have foreseen happening when they won't one nil down but just just wasn't meant to be for them. And you could probably say the same about Croatia last night, like for all their good play and for all their possession, like they, they didn't take advantage of, of those moments. And I think when you look at Argentina and you look at France and the top, top teams, when those opportunities present themselves, they're just so lethal in, in that final third. And once they get ahead, you saw how the French kind of dropped deep and, and reverted into a, a nice consolidated shape. Argentina did something similar yesterday and hit them on the counter attack, and you just can't afford to go behind against those sides. And when you do, you have to be really clinical, and it just wasn't meant to be for Morocco.
0: Yeah, on the on the first goal, Paul, just get get your opinion on the um obviously um El-Yame kind of charges out, he tries to intercept the ball before it gets to Griezmann. Um, and people are saying maybe he was hyped up, you know, started a game, he wants to kind of just make a statement. Or maybe he thought that was the best way to stop Griezmann, but it was obviously the wrong choice at the wrong time. Is um, there any chance that the you know, kind of the unfamiliar system might have been thrown the Moroccan defenders? I think it was the first time they played three at the back and they did. Well, for, obviously they conceded a goal for the first time in the tournament. They seemed a little all at sea. Did you, did you see anything there that maybe suggested that they weren't quite familiar with the, the shape or the system?
1: I thought the first ten minutes in particular they looked quite edgy, and um, and maybe that was just the occasion. I even thought Amrabat, who's who's been so good throughout the competition tonight, was probably a bit of an off night. And the first ten minutes, I thought he gave the ball away at times. Saïs obviously was was carrying enough, but even himself they they just looked a little ropey. And of course, when you when you play that three. There is a tendency that your centre-halves are going to get pulled into positions where they don't necessarily want to go, and that's into those pockets of space that Griezmann was in. And as a defender, Mikey, the one thing that you cannot do is you can't gamble, Like particularly against a player like Griezmann, against a French squad. You can't gamble because you're putting your, all your eggs in one basket. And if you don't make it, you've got serious quality, uh, I guess, with a with a clear route to your 18-yard box and to, towards your goal. So absolutely, El Yamek should have sta- stayed up. He should have just held his position, let Griezmann receive the ball. Worst case scenario, he gets a turn and he's running at you. But what you can't do in that situation is just uh, go all for leather and and hope that you get the ball. On this occasion, he missed it. And when France got into that position, uh, you know, Griezmann, who's been absolutely incredible all competition, his decision-making was good. And um, even for the first goal, there was a bit of luck. You know, there was one or two ricochets that fell to Hernandez and it was a well taken goal. But it, it is one that Morocco will look back on, I'm sure, and say it was preventable.
0: Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, uh, they, they're, they're, you ride your luck in the tournament, Peter, and Morocco are obviously so reliant on their, their defence. And, you know, the West Ham defender, Aguerd pulled up in the warm-up. Captain Sice went off after twenty minutes, and Masrawi was off within five minutes. That that's that's three of their starting back four. You could say there's only Hakimi left from say probably what's their first choice back four. That's that's tough when you're coming up against the World Cup holders.
2: Yeah, a hundred percent. Like everything kind of needed to go their way, and that was what the lads were saying in the build up to the game. And losing one player is is tough. Losing losing three is is massive. Um, so. Yeah, I think they were depend. it was like we said the last day, they were depending on kind of holding France for as long as they could, potentially frustrating them, trying to put doubts in their minds, that kind of thing. But I, I kind of, I don't know, I know I said it a moment ago, but I thought once France scored, I, I know Morocco had decent possession, much better possession than they had um, in their previous games. But there wasn't really a point when I thought, oh, they're about to score here. It was, it was, um, yeah, it was like reasonably, reasonably comfortable. And I think Argentina will offer a lot more in the final going forward. Um than, than Morocco did but then I'm not you know there's maybe question mark more question marks about Argentina's defense which I'm sure we'll talk about later but um yeah like incredibly unlucky but as you said you need to ride your luck a little bit going through one of these tournaments so it was kind of bound to catch up with them you have to show that bit of ambition to go score to go, go forward and get the goals and yeah at the risk of sounding like a broken record there was just too many occasions when I thought pull the trigger take the goals you know have the shot see what happens and it, it, that was the the element that frustrated me watching them this evening
0: Yeah, um, and that's one thing you would say, Paul, about France is they they are they're quite efficient in front of goal. If you know you don't score with every shot, but they'll take a shot like Giroud, hundred percent should have scored in the first half after you know the kind of the ball kind of came back to him after Mbappe's uh, attempt, and he kind of you know he snatched at it a little bit. It was almost it was very French. It was almost kind of a little bit kind of relaxed with how he swung at it. It went just wide. He obviously absolutely. Nearly broke the post with a shot earlier on. Like France worked the ball into a shooting area and they shoot. Um, it sounds simple, but obviously they have wonderful attacking players. And you know one of their formerly wonderful attacking players now playing the Ingolo Kante role bizarrely with Griezmann. Um, so but you still have to do it. You know you saw Croatia last night laboring. You know they've got decent attacking players. France do their best to get the ball into an attacking area. You know a shooting area and they shoot. Which is seems pretty simplistic to me.
1: Yeah, and you know they they weren't at their best tonight, but they still still felt like the, the chances and were, we're going to kind of fall to France and and I guess there's a number of reasons for that. But if you actually if you think back throughout the competition, so many of their goals are coming from wide areas and crosses into the box and headers. The goal against uh, England was a header. There was a couple against um, Australia. I remember, Mbappe had a header. Rabiot had a header and um, even Giroud has picked up a couple of goals throughout the competition. They're so dangerous from wide areas that they get down the side of you and they're not afraid. Like in, in kind of today's football, we see so much, uh, you know, indulgence when we get into the final third, of passing for the sake of it, but actually France are the complete opposite. Once they get into those areas, they're not afraid to just feed it into, into the final third and flood the box with bodies. So that's one way they can go about you and then naturally enough, like the pace they have on the counter-attack with Dembele and Mbappe both of them are are more than happy to come central and run beyond Giroud and and they can kind of just get at you Mikey in a number of different ways so that that's kind of their their main threat in attack is that you know they can they can sit in counter-attack you but they can also keep control of the ball and and carve you open with with different ways um you know by linking off Giroud so yeah I mean that is one thing that you would say with France in particular, is the spread of goals, the spread of creativity, options off the bench. And, um, you know, they've they've scored quite fluidly throughout this competition. And you would certainly back them to at least get one against Argentina.
0: Yeah, you, you certainly would. And a lot of the reason for that, Peter, would be Antoine Griezmann, who's just, um, we've rhapsodized him on the podcast previously during this World Cup. He just kind of, the role he's playing now is just, it's wonderful to watch, He's cut his hair, which I'm also very happy about um but he's not like he's kind of he's not playing this kind of kind of disaffected white man of a front three thing that maybe we we saw a bit that didn't work at Barcelona um he has kind of seemed to slot in somewhere along the lines of where N'Golo cante might have been in this team, but one thing he still does that he's always done is he delivers a ferocious, whether it's a cross from open play or a set piece his his crossing is. Like it's dangerous. I kind of think I could score. I kind of get the impression I could get on the end of an Antoine Griezmann cross and probably score a goal at the World Cup because they're just delivered with such pace. And he did it numerous times, and it just caused consternation in the Moroccan defense.
2: Yeah, like he's he's obviously had to step up a little bit in this World Cup, even though he, he was obviously an important player. But as you said, with those those few injuries that uh, France had uh, coming into the tournament, he's had to step up. Um, and he looks yeah, he looks incredibly comfortable when he's playing. Um, Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how Argentina deal with them uh, on Sunday as well, because uh, he's been such a crucial player for them. But it's, yeah, it's a scarily good French team, in my opinion. And I mean, if you look at the record that they have uh, getting out of the group, considering what's happened in the last few World Cups, with World Cup champions, is impressive. But to have a chance to do two back-to-back, I think you have to go back to like Brazil in the 60s, 62 for it to happen. So, um, yeah, they're they're a very, very impressive unit. And... um, I, I kind of dread the fact that we have to play them in March in Dublin. <laughs> but, uh,
0: oh, yeah. That's the way it goes. <laughs> Let's not get into that right now. Um, that's, that's too depressing.
1: On that, Mikey, like the Griezmann one is a really interesting... Uh, just how he's being used by by Deschamps. Like he was top goal scorer in Euros, I think, in 2016. And then he picked up a number of goals in, in Russia, maybe four. He's yet to score in this competition, but he's linking the place so well for that French team. I'm really intrigued to see how that pans out with himself and Rodrigo De Paul. Like they both play for Atletico Madrid. I'm, I'm sure they both know each other inside out. That matchup is probably as important as the Mbappe one because he's the one who's feeding that, that front three at the moment. You saw against England how influential he was and you have to, you have to shut him down um, when, when it comes to Sunday.
0: Yeah, but then the other one, Paul, then <laughs> going the other way is uh, Leo Messi uh, tends to pop, well, he pops up anywhere. But as we saw a devastating effect um, last night, the right wing is is still his preferred area. Um the um, Hernandez isn't going to get a lot of help from Kylian Mbappe. Uh, it'll work both ways. Obviously, the two PSG guys will stand on the halfway line having a chat with their with their uh, hands on their hips, probably. But um, like there was a piece the athletic had a piece during the week about how Mbappe at the age of twelve went to Chelsea and you know he had a trial and he wasn't signed because even at the age of twelve he wasn't tracking back, he wasn't defending. And Chelsea suggested maybe he comes back in a year or two and maybe he shows us how he can defend. And Mbappe's mother pretty much told them to get bent and said he's going to play the way he plays and you'll want him for 50 million in a few years' time. She's probably not far wrong. But that's going to be, an in- like, both teams are going to have to set up and say, look, our two most dynamic players, you know, whether they're 35 or 23, like, they're not going to do much defending. They're playing on the same side of the pitch. That's going to be interesting as well, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I, th- I think Argentina will absolutely look at, at that left-back position um, and Hernandez and identify that as their probably best route to goal. I think he really struggled against England at times, particularly going up against Saka. And tonight, um, even Ziyech and, and Hakimi were really troubled. Hakimi was actually running inside Ziyech uh, at times and almost like a an underlap and, and causing a 2v1 situation, which Hernandez couldn't get to grips with. But you're absolutely right. A lot of that is coming from the fact that Mbappe refuses to, to track back. So, so I would fully expect that Messi, in the way that he's playing, he just drifts, he, he finds spaces. He'll pull onto that side. And we saw last night what, what he did to Gavardio. He'll play on Hernandez. He's he's linked up with Molina quite well on that right-hand side as well. So that is is going to be a big, big problem for France. I think you know that's something that they probably need to, to look at, um, whether it's touche or Rabiot doubling up and getting across and giving Hernandez a bit of a dig out, they'll need to look at that area, but Argentina I'm sure won't worry too much or they won't change too much because they've played for Messi the whole competition, they're happy to let the others do the running for him and the protection that Fernandez, Rodrigo De Paul in the middle of the park have given and whether they go with a four or five, I would suspect they probably go with a five at the back on on Sunday night and, and just give whether it's Molina, that extra body where it's Romero or Odomendi pulling across just to double up on Mbappe
0: Mm-hmm. Mentioned a few times on the podcast that you know France probably the best starting eleven, Peter, but perhaps with all the injuries pre-tournament, don't have the same squad they had four years ago. They're kind of making a mockery of me at this stage, which I'm sure they're they're delighted that's their major win tonight. Um, but you know the subs did change, not change the game. They were winning, but the subs kind of secured it for them. There's there's no doubt that Tour Touram. Coming in and going on the left and mbappe going through the middle really caused Morocco problems, and then obviously Colomboani scored a goal within seconds of coming on the pitch um so that's that's definitely interesting that but this idea that france don't have don't have kind of the bench is clearly wrong because as <laughs> as uh he was coming off the, uh, as the substitution was being made, George was saying well, we'll just we'll just confirm now in a second who is coming on here for France, for Dembele. And I was like, it's Kings of Coleman. It's going to be Kings of Coleman. Of course it's Kings of Coleman. And then it's, it's Kola Moani So they definitely, they, they have more options than maybe we've been giving them credit for up to now.
2: Yeah, definitely. When Teram came on, he, at one stage, he kind of ran at the defence and he was taken down just as he got to the edge of the box. And it looked like he was going to get in and he was brought down. So yeah, obviously a pacey fellow can come in and change the game. And then like the goal, obviously Moani kind of just had to finish it at the back post. There wasn't a huge amount, but I suppose he got in the, the right place at the right time to get there. And um yeah, it'll it'll be interesting just to, to see how much they use the squad or how much they have to use the squad um on Sunday because I suppose you'd expect something of a fairly physical game from Argentina. I don't know what you think Paul, but in terms of like everything they've they tried to get up in people's faces, even some of the footage from after the Dutch game, which I know was a fairly tense game anyway, with all the cards getting handed out and all the rest of it. But um, you know, there's footage of them going up to the manager and Messi having words with the manager and all the rest of it. And um, I'll just be yeah, it'll be interesting to see if there's well, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out and uh, how much of that additional squad that that uh, that they they need on Sunday. But um, it'll be interesting to see if Argentina really stick it up to France. I'm not sure if other teams have in the tournament so far from kind of the games I've seen and pro- get properly physical with them.
0: I don't think there's much choice, Paul, do they? Because the one thing France have that Argentina don't have in the backs that I've I've noticed really is like the, the French sports forwards apart from sure they just have raw speed don't they? And that's something that could surely hurt the Argentinians.
1: Yeah, it it absolutely has potential to do that. I was really worried for Argentina after the Saudi game with, with Romero and not and Andy playing together. I thought there was mistakes between them. To be fair to them, over the course of the tournament, they've improved. I just think that they might look at going with those those three centre-halves. Um, I think individually they all have mistakes in them, but I think when they play together, that Martinez, uh, Romero, Otamendi, Malt- I think it, it gives them a, just a bit more solidity, and I think they might look for that against France with, with that in mind and, and how threatening they are going forward, but... For me, France can't afford to play like they did tonight or how they did against England, against Argentina. I think Argentina would would do them if that was the case, but I, I would expect that they, they would up their game and maybe they'll freshen up at one or two bodies that missed out tonight. But uh, yeah, interesting to see. I, I, I would suspect that Argentina would go five in the back, Mikey.
0: Yeah, that that would be interesting. And obviously... Rabiot coming back in for France would, would you could see that coming in but then at the same you'd have to say in in the defence Peter Canati didn't do himself any harm tonight he had a he had an excellent game he seemed to be kind of he, he seemed to be anticipating stuff maybe a little bit quicker than Varane and they, they did seem like kind of quite a good team there in the centre of defence.
2: Yeah yeah absolutely I mean France have looked decent defensively the whole way through the tournament um, and I think in terms of, like, say, the lapses, I mean, obviously the Saudi game was the first game and Argentina got over it reasonably quickly, but even in the Dutch game, they conceded those couple of goals when the game was safe in the second half, or it should have been safe in the second half, and that's the area where I think, like, that level of concentration where I just think, I just have that feeling that France will be able to, to kind of pick it apart if they need to, or, well, when they need to, obviously, to kind of get the goals to win the game uh, on Sunday, and... Um, I could kind of be more confident. Like I know France lost their last group game, but they were through at that stage. So I kind of just get the sense of France being that bit more solid at the back and um, just being, I don't know, it's such a a bland thing to say, but just being professional, really getting the job, doing what, doing what they have to do. Uh, and just looking at control of the games that I've seen them playing in uh, throughout the tournament, as opposed to Argentina, who obviously can be brilliant going forward, but are just susceptible to leaking that odd goal where it's, I think it's down to concentration a lot of the times um, where it's kind of more basic errors than I think France have made uh, at the back.
0: Mm. Where, where do you stand on that, Paul? This is obviously the first clean sheet they've kept at the World Cup. They've only conceded one goal per game up to now, but um, Pamicano kind of missed out um, through probably nothing too serious, but a knock and Canata came in. They kept a clean sheet. So... It could be one of those unfortunate stories for Rupert McCann. He plays all the way through, gets injured for the semi-final and potentially loses his place for the final.
1: Yeah, he, he looked a little ropey against England. Uh, Harry Kane... Mistake
0: in him, like an Argentinian defender.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> he, he seems overly eager at times to go try win the ball and Harry Kane rolled him quite well in, in the first half and he may have played himself out of, out of the team. He's obviously picked up a knock which is unfortunate, so... It'll be interesting to see if he does come back in. I think the rest of the back four picks itself. They have done well to keep a clean sheet tonight. I thought there was times where if Mark Morocco just had a bit more quality, a better team might have might have carved them open. I'm I'm not convinced that um France will keep a clean sheet nor Argentina. I actually think it might be a score draw on Sunday. Um, but yeah, there's I, I think there's frailties in both in both defenses. Um, I'm not convinced on Hugo Laurie, I never have been. And um, I think individually, I think Hyundai naturally not being a fullback and Hernandez has shown at times that he is is quite liable to make a mistake. So there's there's definitely ways of getting at both France and Argentina and the midfielders of, of both teams are going to have a big job to kind of help them out in that regard.
0: Yeah. Um, a word on Morocco then, Peter, because I, I think we probably all agree that they've kind of been the, the story of the World Cup, you know, first World Cup in a Muslim country and, you know, uh, a Muslim country um, from North Africa it goes further than an African country's have ever gone before and they were far from you know that like 2-0 is probably a fair reflection but you know as we said at the start they had more than their fair share of it tonight and uh, as my 1990s analogy kind of uh, showed um, you know they kind of came out of their shell a little bit tonight and it was probably you could argue from a neutral point of view the most entertaining game of theirs we've seen so far and it does give hope to the rest of us that, you know, a country, you know, Morocco, who've, you know, second round, their best up until now, can get to a World Cup semi-final. You know, it shows what a, a, a good coach and a talented core of players and a clear plan can do, doesn't it?
2: Yeah, 100%. Any team that knocks Spain and Portugal out of a World Cup, um, you know, even with the help of penalties or whatever, like that's an incredibly impressive performance. As you said, they're playing to their strengths, so I'm sure it'll begin discussions, maybe once we all take Christmas off, I'm sure it'll begin discussions about teams playing to their strengths and not trying to change the, the style that they play with and all the rest of it when it comes to our own team. But yeah, like, it does give you that sense of a team, an outsider team doing well in a World Cup Um and I suppose, looking ahead to the future, the next World Cup and all the rest of it, that whole period where there's going to be more teams getting uh, qualifying. There'll obviously be teams who probably end up getting well beaten in some games, but they will also be fairly good teams that with a little bit of luck could go far in 2026. So yeah, like it was an interesting story, as you say, and they seem to have massive support and, you know, it's always the first time a team does something like that is always the most impressive. All the footage from um, Morocco that was coming through on the various news wires was, was fantastic to see and all the rest of it. So yeah, they they did give it a hope and it was just something a bit different. It was something that um, I don't think many were predicting before the tournament started. So yeah, they're, they're owed great credit. But I mean, I think Didi Haman said it at the end of the coverage there, you know, you could have played for another three hours. He didn't fancy Morocco to score. So th- there was that element whereby there's only so far you can go with a team that are good but you know n- not quite as good as France I suppose.
0: Uh, Paul that that's true uh, probably you know Leinster Senior League level is true at League of Ireland level and it's true you know the level you play at in the UK a team without a striker is kind of you know there's a reason strikers go for the money they go for and the reason like they, they are they always seem to be a, a bit of a rarity a bit of a you know, there, there always seems to be a shortage of top quality strikers and at an international level, I think it's even more striking, excuse the pun, that, you know, a lot of teams, they just don't have one and um, it makes life very difficult. We saw with Croatia, you can get so far, but as Peter says, it's it's very difficult to, you know, to, to go, you know, to win one of these tournaments if you haven't got someone who's scoring you four or five goals.
1: Absolutely. and. I mean, look at look at the, the two games and the two semifinals, Alvarez and, and Messi scoring for Argentina. And then tonight, I know Theo Hernandez um, was involved in the first, but you just look at the roles that the strikers have played and, and what they manage to do for you is they kind of dig you out of difficult situations or they produce a moment of magic. And it just gives you a lifeline always when you know you've got somebody, the likes of Achillean and Mbappe at the top end of the pitch who can stretch teams, who can carry the ball for you and can produce a moment of magic. To score at difficult occasions and that's been the case for both France and Argentina and yes when you look at I guess the two semi-finals who have lost Morocco and Croatia there is that kind of gaping hole that they don't really have somebody with that bit of quality who can, who can just get them over the line and look at look at I guess the performance they had against um, Portugal one goal to nil Spain was on penalty so if if they were going to go beyond today, you kind of felt like one goal was the maximum they'd get out of France and a clean sheet was necessary. And when you concede early and you don't have that kind of threat in the final third, it's always an uphill battle.
0: Yeah. Um, Interest to get your view on it, Paul, because obviously this has been like one of the best kind of Cinderella stories of a 32-team World Cup. And, you know, we had our own moments in a 24-team World Cup get to a quarter final, which is, you know, a similar achievement in some ways you could say even qualifying for 2014 world cup back in 1990 was pretty impressive um obviously the next world cup is going to a 48 it makes obviously it makes it more likely that a team like ireland will qualify for the world cup but i think making it you know like group stages to get down to 32 teams and then a knockout does do you make it less likely that a team like morocco could actually get as far it's almost like the more the more rounds you put in the less likely it is that you're going to kind of get these stories.
1: Yeah, probably. Uh, I I think from our own point of view, it's, it's uh you know it's probably of benefit that they're extending the reach. We we saw that when it came around to Euro twenty sixteen and they they increased the numbers. It just gives you that kind of extra leg or that extra chance to qualify for a major competition. I think if you're a country who naturally qualifies for these tournaments, you probably strongly disagree. But yeah, I, I would I you would imagine so because and um, even croatia last night like they rode their luck to to get to the semi finals morocco to go on that journey that they did had to ride their luck and if you have to do that over the course of you know two or three more games the toll that it's taken on the players um to concentrate and play like that and be so disciplined in their shape is is far more consuming than it is for a possession based team which the top teams tend to be so for a team to go you know, seven, eight games to to get to a quarter, or semi final, you're probably saying it's less likely. Like they also don't have the same kind of cohort of players or the same group of players to choose from, like a France or a Spain. So you could see tonight when they got to the semi final, there's injured bodies, there's tired legs, and it's just it's just too much of an ask. So in a in a long way of answering that question, Mikey, I would say it's it's probably more unlikely that that would happen, but. Who knows? I mean, I certainly didn't suspect that they'd get beyond Spain. <laughs> they proved me wrong, got to a semi-final. So you'll always have surprises. Uh,
0: yeah, and there's obviously as well, the um they're, they're, they haven't quite decided whether they're going to have um, 12 groups of four or 16 groups of three. And even when you're saying those numbers out loud, Paul, it just sounds ridiculous that there would be that many groups. And also the idea that they might revisit the three-team group, which uh, hasn't been around since 1982 because of skullduggery and you know teams knowing what they needed in the last game one team not playing and the other two teams knowing what result would suit them um it's been kind of consigned to the history books but now fifa are thinking well actually maybe we're going to need to do you know 12 groups of four to get down to 32 teams which will, that means there'll be over 100 games in a world cup which means we also risk going from a nice tight four-week window to something akin to a, a cricket or rugby world cup and i think everybody kind of likes to time scale of the world cup as it is paul don't they
1: yeah, I'm not sure how to position that one when we miss misses because that's <laughs> another couple of days and another number of games that I'd have to get over. I, I think we should absolutely be welcoming this if, if if we're we're thinking about our own qualification and getting to these tournaments. I, I was probably against extending out the Euros. I was probably against the the Nations League and the introduction of that competition. And to be honest with you, I probably don't mind either of them. So Albeit that the thirty-two team works very well, if they are to change it and if it does increase our chances, I think it's something that us as Irish people should be welcoming.
0: Yeah, well, we'll, we'll wait and see. I don't know how many of those extra qualifying places are going to come to UEFA. Is the problem, but maybe even one or two extra would would increase our chances. Um, very important question for you, Peter, and I feel I need to ask it to you with that beautifully decorated Christmas tree behind you, because I think. The, the the football that they have for the semi-finals and finals I think it would look quite good on your Christmas tree but I'm not sure how good it looks on a football pitch where do you stand on gold footballs?
2: Uh, Is this the sorry the World Cup ball that they're using at the moment?
0: Yeah yeah for the semi-finals and finals they've got this gold one I'm I'm not having it
2: uh, Yeah it's festive Um, the next World Cup comes up in whatever it's going to be June or July of 2026 so um, yeah sure it's something a bit different I mean I, I'm I'm always harking back. I always get some way of fitting in 1998 into the World Cup podcast, but definitely the '98 football was was clearly the best one. Um, but uh, yeah, like just just to return to that whole discussion about the the 48 team World Cup. I mean, if it's 16 groups and there's 16, I think there's 16 European teams because it's 13 at the moment. I think we get an extra three places for UEFA. I wonder will they try and keep european teams completely apart or how will the draw work like there's a whole lot of that that needs to be worked out in the next however long they have to work it out and decide and you know organize whatever way they're going to run it because if if not like like you could have european teams completely separated and that's i don't know fifa is saying on the one hand they want the tournament to be you know encouraging of more countries from outside of europe and south america to get to go far but as you say mikey if you have to play more European teams to get further in the tournament. There's far less likely of a chance of a Morocco or whoever else getting there. So um, I know Arsene Wenger had quotes about it, but there is there's going to be there's, that's going to be something that has to be properly kind of discussed and sorted out. But uh, mm. yeah, I, I, it's going to be an interesting thing that comes up in the next few months, I feel.
0: Yeah, it's just as we kind of are getting, we've only two games, one real game left in the World Cup, and it just does seem just a nice... It's a nice format that we have. I don't think they really need to mess with it. Um, and going and the back to the question other... is
2: there, Mikey. If if we don't qualify, like watching a team of forty-eight without Ireland involved. Okay, if we get to qualify, brilliant. We're all delighted. But if we don't qualify, then we're watching a, probably a lesser product. If that you want to describe it as that <laughs> for a longer period of the summer, you know, yeah, I'll be watching the I... Leinster Football Championship.
0: I'm disgusted that you'd think I'd be that self-interested. I want to go back to the football for a second, Paul. <laughs> the actual, the physical football. Because I actually, I'm curious, because you played in a few leagues, you played obviously a few levels. What was your favourite match ball that you know you would play with week in, week out?
1: I I didn't really enjoy the um, the football league football. But when we used to go... Is that a to, to FA Cup, Yeah, it is a miter, yeah. I, I never actually, liked miter could... footballs either. Yeah, I didn't like them. They were they were certainly heavier. But when you used to go up to FA Cup, I remember playing away at the Had and they were using their own, I think it was the Premier League football. It was, a, it was a Nike ball. And just, you know, the connection off the foot, it seemed, maybe it was just the surroundings, You're just enjoying yourself at the Had for the day. But it seemed to come off, off the foot nicer and it was a nicer connection. Whereas the miter ball in November, December felt like a GAA ball when you were kicking it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah break your toe god i remember that yeah you're playing in winter of the miter ball it would hurt i was just i'm just curious because every every world cup i go on the adidas website and i price up the world cup ball and shake my head and say no maybe maybe i should ask for one for christmas you know 130 euro football for my 5 aside. the lads would really appreciate it at least um okay I think this is descending into something other than what it started out as, so we might leave it at that. We have our final, which is great, it's mentioned at the top, Holders, France against the everyone, every neutral's anointed favourite team seemingly, Messi, United, Argentina, and don't forget the third four playoff where I imagine a slightly under-motivated Croatia will take on, I think, a Morocco team who will desperately want to win the bronze medal. So <laughs> it might be more competitive than some of these third, fourth matches are. I don't know how competitive they are. They, I don't tend to watch them very often, I'll be honest. Paul, do you watch the third, fourth playoff?
1: No, I don't, but I will because it will be in Saturday sport with, with Des. And like... <laughs>
0: They'll make me. They'll hold my eyelids open with matches. Uh, how about you, Peter? Do you watch the third, fourth playoff?
2: I uh, used to watch it because ApriMatch used to do the yeah, not, right. not analysis I suppose you could call it whatever it was that was in no way related to what was happening uh, for the four, or for the 90 minutes of the game uh, I suppose yeah maybe I'll, maybe I'll watch it this year who knows um, you know but um, yeah I don't know I don't even know ApriMatch are involved this year but they used no, to be that was not. always no, uh, that's, that is a shame that was always a highlight
0: obviously we're going to invite you all to watch it on Saturday afternoon at three o'clock and definitely watch the World Cup final at three o'clock on RT two and the RT player and I believe if you're out and about you'll be able to listen to radio commentary on RT radio one on Sunday sport so that's good and we'll have a preview and a review podcast too so until then say thank you to Peter thank you to Paul and we'll catch you again good luck